So the title of my message this morning is The Last Mile. Here we are, we're on lockdown level two. We'll be going to level one and it will be, you know, we know that we will, everything will be worked out and sorted out. We are almost right there at the last mile. Now, we don't want to get too excited. We don't want to start celebrating prematurely. We don't want to stop the things that we are doing. But indeed, we are running the last mile. You know, there are times when athletes run the race and then the race gets spoiled at the last stretch. In the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia, there's something very sad that happened there. Jane Saville, who was leading this 20-kilometer race walking event, got disqualified. Now, you know what the race walking, race walking is, right? This is where they, people are walking uh, fast, you know, and I've never understood that one. I don't know if you understand it, but there's a special way you need to walk. You need to walk such that your feet are on the ground all the time. And you, should, you are not allowed, I think, to, when you walk to, 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 to maybe, uh, 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 you have to always, when you, when you walk, you have to always touch the ground with your heel first. I don't even know how it works. You can see, I'm kind of not, don't even know how to describe. But you know, when you look at them, it's like they are half walking, half running. And this race walking, as it's called, it's a very, very strict spot and it has certain rules. This lady, as she was heading into the stadium tunnel for the final stretch, she was disqualified for what they call an illegal gate, G-A-I-T. This is where you go, go through lifting. It's a common occurrence of a race. And, and, and the, the previous leader before her had been disqualified for doing the same. But then and, and Jane Saville, as she was just on this last stretch, then she lifted her feet. And so when she got disqualified, as she got to the finish line, she collapsed in tears afterwards. And so when the journalist came to interview her, because, I mean, this was in her hometown in Sydney, Australia, when they interviewed her and they asked her, and they asked her, what do you need? And her reply was, a gun to shoot myself. Thank God she didn't shoot herself. She did recover her composition soon thereafter, and thankfully, Later on, several years later, she did win some of the events later. But you know, that event marked her life so badly. Just think about it. With just the last stretch getting disqualified. And this is what Paul is talking about in Acts chapter 20. This final stretch of his ministry. This final stretch of him coming in. We are into this final stretch in our nation. It could be the final stretch of your study. It could be the final stretch of whatever it is you are doing. And he says, I am going to Jerusalem. And he says, I know the spirit says, as I'm going into this final stretch, there's tribulation that awaits me. There is problems that await me. There are things that are going to happen to me. I can know the spirit testifies that even chains are awaiting me. He says, but none of these things move me. And I don't even count my life dear to myself because I want to finish my race with joy. And I want to finish the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify the gospel of grace. And so when you read from Acts chapter 20, I'm going to go right through with you all the way probably to chapter 24 and some of the other verses. We note that a few days later, after his arrival in Jerusalem, Paul was attacked by a mob in the area of the temple. He was, he was attacked by the mob, and we are told that 
uh, he was rescued by a detachment of the Roman soldiers. And I mean, he's going through all this trial. This is on his last stretch and he's getting attacked. At the end of this period, we are told that he, he then said to them, I'm not going to stand trial here in Jerusalem. I'm going to exercise my rights as a Roman citizen and I'm going to appeal to Caesar in order that my case should be heard there in Rome. And so he made an appeal that his case should be transferred to the provincial governor's court in Judea and it can be taken all the way to the tribunal in Rome. And so we read in Bible history that in the fall of AD 59, the great apostle Paul went out to take this trip all the way to Rome. And so we know later he spent about two years in Rome under house arrest, waiting for his case to come up for a hearing before the Supreme Tribunal. And so from Acts chapter 21 all the way to Acts chapter 28, I would ask you to read that. It goes into details about Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Rome. Let me count a few things for you. I mean, in Jerusalem, as we said, whilst he was preaching, a mob rose up against him. There was a riot in the city and they grabbed Paul and they dragged him out of the temple. Now, Paul is in his heart, he's saying, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. I'm going to continue. I've got to finish the ministry in spite of being dragged, in spite of being pulled. I'm going to do that. On another occasion, there was a group that made an oath to kill Paul. All this group, they said, we are going to kill this man because we don't like what he's doing. And then we read later that Paul then appeared before several governors and a king. He appeared before Felix where he defended himself for preaching the gospel. He appeared before Governor Festus, where he talked to Festus about preaching the gospel. And then he appeared before King Agrippa. And it was King Agrippa who said to him, you almost persuaded me to follow you in the gospel. And all of this Paul did in defense of preaching the gospel. He was falsely accused. All kinds of things were said about him, but Paul was determined to finish what he started. And then we see him being put on a ship, being sent over to Rome. He was put on a merchandise ship. And we read in the Bible that the journey was a treacherous journey from there all the way to Rome. On the way, they experienced storms. On the way, they lost a lot of cargo. There were winds that came their way. There were days when they didn't see the sun for a long time. There's times when they didn't know which direction they're going. There's a point where they even thought they were going to lose their lives. It was on this trip that Paul one day said and told the people, men, please don't be afraid because in the evening there's an angel that appeared to me and that assured me that I will reach my destiny. And I love what he says. He says, then I believe God that it will be to me according to what God has said. This is a man who has decided to finish what he started. At one point, the crew docked at an island called Malta. It was on a cold and rainy day. And Paul and others, because of the cold and the rain, they were gathering sticks and laying them on the fire. We read there in the book of Acts chapter 28, how a poisonous snake, was driven out of the heat 
because of the fire. It just came out of the fire and it beat Paul on the hand. Let me read it for you. This is Acts chapter 28, verse 3 to verse 6. It says, as Paul gathered, and an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. A poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, beat him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their mind and they decided he was a God. Isn't that amazing? I tell you something, this man is not going to let anything stop him from finishing what God wants him to finish. On this final lap, so to speak, that the great apostle spent. You can see all kinds of things happening to him. And finally, he came to Rome, as I said, where he spent two years under house arrest. But even in prison, what does this great apostle do? He starts writing letters to believers. He wrote the letter to the believers in Philippi. He wrote a letter to the believers in Colossae. This great apostle is saying, I am going to make sure that I run this last mile. I want to encourage you with those words. You make sure you run your last mile. Whatever you started, make sure you see it to the end. All the precautions you've been exercising during this time, all the safety measures you've been exercising during this time, this is not the time to give up. All the prayer habits and the prayer disciplines, the reading of the word, whatever it is that you have been doing this time, Continue doing the same. So what lessons do we learn? There are four things that I want us to focus on. Four lessons that we learn as we are on this last mile, as we are coming in for a landing. Lesson number one. The first lesson we learn is that you can expect detours as you are going to your finish line. You see, Paul got abroad the ship heading towards Rome and they got into a terrible storm. They were even shipwrecked and they wound up on the island of Malta. Note this, they were not planning to go to Malta, but their ship was wrecked. They found themselves beaten and torn and their ship destroyed in the island of Malta. See, some of us, many of us, we set out to have certain goals this year, what happened? Shipwreck, what happened? Blown away, what happened? Distracted, detours come our way. See, in our walk as God's people, we can expect detours in our Christian experience. Now, when you think about the detour, you'll note that detours happen suddenly and detours happen without warning. It doesn't tell you it's a detour. It just falls on you. Let me give you a few examples in the Bible. We read about a man by the name of Job. Here's this man with his family, has a lovely family. And I mean, when you read about Job, he's a great guy. He's a family man. Of course, he's a wealthy man, but he's also a godly man. He's a praying man. This guy loves God. But you know, one day, out of nowhere, out of the clear 
Blue sky, a detour came in his life. One thing begins to happen right after another. You know the story of Job. Everything suddenly disappears when he was hit by this detour. And so when the detour came, what I love about this man is that he didn't allow himself to get so caught up in the detour that he forgets the God who brought him into the world. So whatever detour has come your way, do not forget it's not the end of the world. Maybe you didn't finish your studies this year. Maybe you didn't pursue certain goals this year. It is not the end of the year. It is just a detour. I'm thinking about it. You know, there are certain goals I had this year for the church, certain things that I was trusting God that this year they're going to happen, you know? But let me tell you something, that the detour has come. Doesn't mean we're not we're going to give up on it. We are still going to move on our way because detours come. So you may be on a detour today, or there may be a detour coming in that you are not aware of. Detours come upon us, as I said, suddenly, without warning. But here's the interesting thing. We also don't know how long they come. They can come for a short time. They can come for a long time. Let me give you an example. The example of Joseph. Joseph is given a dream by God, a vision by God. And God is telling Joseph how he is going to be a leader one day. And so, all of a sudden, from nowhere, a detour came. He had a detour, and when you read the Bible, it was for about 13 years. He went into Egypt, he was sold for a slave, and then right there in Egypt, he was lied upon, he was slandered, he was forgotten in a dungeon, and for 13 years, he went through all kinds of things. And then 13 years later, he surfaces. He seems to be back on the main road, but it was a detour. It was not a detour when you read it properly. It looks like God knew everything about it. So God knows about your detour. It may look like a detour for you, but God will keep you in the detour. So most of the times, detours are rough, they are winding, and they make us slow down. And so one of the things that a detour does to us is to distract us. Note this. Being distractors, being distractors will rob us of our finish in our race. Even pilots, when they are going for a landing, they are told they have to concentrate. Now, it's quite interesting. Pilots are told that when the plane flies, now you would think when you come in for a landing, because you are going down to go and land the plane, you will think that the nose of the plane must face down because you are going down, after all, for a landing. But new pilots, they are taught, and it's a surprising fact to them about flying, is that when you want to go to a place where you want to, when you fly, you, when you want to get to where you go, you must actually aim the plane somewhere else. I mean, it's like, like a contradiction. You're going down for a landing, but instead of making the nose of the plane face down, you make it face up. So planes sometimes point upwards when they are flying downwards. If you note, you'll note some of the, main, some of the big planes as they are flying on a level plane, and you'll find that uh, their nose is up. If you've ever gotten up in a plane, 
and gone to the back maybe to go and use the restroom and so on, you'll know that it's quite easier walking to the back of the plane. But when you come back, to go back to your seat, it's almost like you're going uphill. Now, you know, you may not be aware of it, but it's because the nose of the plane is facing up. This is why all the cabin attendants with all their trolleys, those trolleys have to have good brakes because if they don't brake that trolley, it's going to roll all the way to the back of the plane. So pilots may be pointing the nose slightly skyward even when the aircraft is descending in the final stages of the approaches for a landing. So it's important, therefore, for the pilot not to get distracted as they are bringing the plane for a landing. In other words, they learn not to get distracted. They learn that they need to focus on what they are supposed to do. And this is what it's about in our life. You know, sometimes it looks like your life is going this way and it's going that way. And you can easily get discouraged and easily give up on what God had given you. Listen to me. You are coming in for a landing and you don't need to get distracted. The second thing we learn from Paul's story is that we can expect as we come in this final stretch that we are going to get some discomfort. In Acts chapter 28, the, the second part of verse 2, when Paul was bitten by the snake. I mean, it was a sad thing. I mean, Paul was bitten by the snake. He went through the discomfort of shipwreck, being stoned, being bitten. It was pain all the time. In fact, he talks about it, how he went through hunger, thirsting, f- fasting, and there's going to be some discomfort. So know this, you will be uncomfortable sometimes on your way. And it's a misnomer for us to assume that if we are following God and if we are good Christians and if we are serving God, the road to heaven is going to be an easy one. God never promised us a comfortable journey. It is always going to be very challenging and very difficult. Think about athletes who run marathons. On the final mile as they are coming in, you know, and the final stretch they tell you, you know, that's when they are most challenged mentally and physically. Physically speaking, you know, you find that they have used up all their carbohydrates and, and in the form of glycogen and that lives in their muscles. And once they have depleted this glycogen, their body almost goes on shutdown and their body scrambles now to metabolize the fat in their body. And as such, their body begins to shut down. Their legs and their arms begin to feel like logs and, and their brain tells them to quit. To quit. It's almost that they, they, there's this wall that they have to run into every mile that goes. There's this wall that they must run into and they have to run into this wall and make sure that they get to the finish line. And so what are athletes taught? Athletes are taught that in their preparation, they need to not allow themselves to be distracted when that happens. They learn several things before the race is done. They are told, you as an athlete, this is what you must do. Train smart, race smart, fuel smart. And if you do that and you stay on the journey, you will get to the finish line. And this is what we must do as God's children. We must be determined, even if we hit a wall, to go all the way and push to the finish line. Don't allow yourself in any way to get to that point where you don't think it's going to be uh, uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable as we move on our way to the finish line. The third thing that we learn from Paul is that as we get to the finish line, 
we will excite devils. What it means here is that when Paul was building this fire, he provoked the snake that was in the fire. As we get to the finish line, there are devils and demons out there that will try to knock you off your path. They will try to prevent you from finishing your last mile. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 from verse 27. He says, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then beside all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Then he says, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn in anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how I am weak. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through the window in the sitting wall to escape from him. You can see how Paul was running into trouble because as you move forward, to fulfill the will of God, there are demonic hosts, powers of darkness, that will do their best that they come against you. But Paul says, even if the devil throws everything at me, I like what he says. He says, the grace of God is sufficient for me to get to the finish line. And I want you to know, the grace of God is sufficient for you for this last mile. In conclusion, the fourth thing that they are told as athletes is commit to finishing, to getting to the finish line. Paul was committed to getting to the finish line. Now that you're on the last mile, now that you're coming in for a landing, commit to getting to the finish line. In other words, hold yourself to your word of commitment. You know, when pilots are flying in the plane, as they are coming in for a landing, we are told that aeroplanes, you know, the aeroplanes are computerized. They tell them to decide just seconds before landing. In other words, an approach to a runway typically features what they call the deciding altitude or the decision height. When pilots reach this decision point, they need to be able to see the runway or its associated lights in order to continue the approach. If not, they must prepare to ascend again and perform a go around. This decision points to the importance where the, 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 the computer will announce to the pilot. And they are, we are told that in the Boeing 747 and some other planes, you know, the plane will just say one word, decide, decide. And as it says this, the plane is saying, you've got to make a decision. In other words, you've reached a point where you got to make a decision. Now I want to say to you, decide to reach the finish line. Listen to what Paul says, the scripture we read. He said, see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulations await me. He says, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear for myself that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I've received from the Lord. Decide that you're going to finish what you have started. Make that decision to move on. 
Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. He says, for I am already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up to me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous just, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to those that love his appearing. On this last mile, you make that decision. You are moving on with what God has said. No matter the winds that blow against you, no matter the snakes that come out to try and bite you, no matter the detours, the obstacles, you are on the last mile. You will get there. God is on your side. God will never forsake you. God will never turn his back on you. Decide right where you are. And so right now as we conclude, I'd love to take this opportunity to pray with those of you who have taken a step to decide that Jesus Christ will be the Savior and the Lord of your life. You want to receive Christ in your life right now. I want you please to follow me in this prayer as we pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you pray that prayer, God has heard that prayer and God has come into your heart to change your life. I now want to pray for all the individual needs that are there and the needs that are in our nation. As we are going through this time, as we say we are on that final stretch, it is the last mile. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for divine healing on these, your children who may be sick in their bodies. The needs that they have, we bring them before you right now in the name of Jesus. You are a God who hears. You are a God who loves. You are a God who responds. Thank you for carrying us as a nation. We continue to pray for our nation. Father, we know that even as we enter into this last mile, there are still many challenges that lie ahead. But we know you never leave us and you never forsake us. We thank you for hearing our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.